the sermons podcast for Ottawa Baptist Church. We pray that you will be blessed and encouraged by this week's message. In the books of First and Second Samuel, we see that those books cover and record the life of Samuel, who has this really supernatural beginning. His mother is barren, and she is before God crying out for a child. And God responds to her, chair, uh, to her call, or to her cry, and Samuel is born. Now, Samuel has this really unique function in the life of Israel. He holds three different positions. He is a priest, a judge, and a prophet. Let me repeat that again. He is a priest, a judge, and a prophet. And so First and Second Samuel also records the details of King Saul and then, of course, King David and his rise to power. Now, First Kings opens up telling about David's final days, his final days, and once David passes, his successor, his son Solomon, takes the throne. Solomon, as a young leader, sits before God, And says, God, I need help. And God hears his cry. And he tells Solomon, whatever you want, I will give it to you. Just make the request. And Solomon goes, will you give me wisdom? And God is very pleased with that request. And he grants him incredible wisdom. Solomon goes on to build the temple. But Solomon has an Achilles heel of sorts. And in 1 Kings 11, we see that Solomon loved many foreign women. He had a wife who was Pharaoh's daughter. He married women from Moab, Amnon, Edom, Sidon, and from among the Hittites. Now, God had expressly warned his people, when you move into the promised land, don't give your sons and daughters to marry those outside of Israel. Because undoubtedly, those relationships will cause your heart to turn from me. Because the surrounding nations, if you partner with them, and they worship other gods, your heart will be drawn towards them. But God's people, of course, didn't listen, including Solomon. And we see in 1 Kings 11 that Solomon insisted on having many foreign wives, and they did turn his heart away from the Lord. Now, the judgment for Solomon's actions means that the kingdom would be divided into two sections. Divided into two sections a northern kingdom, and a southern kingdom. And after the reign of Solomon, 1 Kings gives accounts of the different kings of both the northern region, which is called Israel, and also the southern kingdom, which is referred to as Judah. And how many of you have gone through 1 and 2 Kings and your head's spinning a little bit as you're trying to say, hey, this king and this king, and this happened over here in Judah and Israel? Now, there are accounts of these kings, but they vary in length. So sometimes you will hear about a king that's ruling in Israel or Judah, and maybe they're given a chapter. But sometimes you'll just hear about king so-and-so was king for 10 years, and then he died. And you're like, okay, not a lot to record there. But when we get to 1 Kings chapter 16, there's a king by the name of Ahab. And Ahab begins to rule the northern kingdom of Israel. And 1 Kings dedicates seven chapters to Ahab's story. 1 Kings dedicates seven chapters to Ahab's story. And this is also where we are introduced to the famous prophet Elijah. And Elijah did some pretty amazing things, but we won't get into that today. But let's look at a few verses in 1 Kings chapter 16. We'll begin in verse 29. 
Ahab, whose father was Omri, began to rule over Israel in the 38th year of King Asa in Judah. He reigned in Samaria 22 years, but Ahab, son of Omri, did what was evil in the Lord's sight, even more than any of the kings before him. And as though it were not enough to follow the example of Jeroboam, he married Jezebel, the daughter of King Ethbal of the Sidonians. And he began to bow down and worship Baal or Baal or Baal. We'll go with Baal for some consistency this morning. First, Ahab built a temple and an altar for Baal in Samaria. Then he set up Asherah poles. He did more to provoke the anger of the Lord, the God of Israel, than any other kings of Israel before him. Think about this for a moment. Ahab is an Israelite. He knows the stories of Israel. He knows the stories. He knows the stories of God's mighty arm leading the people out of Egypt. He knows the stories of Moses, the law, Joshua, Jericho, and Samuel, David, and Solomon. He knows that when Israel honors God, there is a blessing that is upon the land. He knows it. The nation thrives when they are in obedience to God. Ahab is king of Israel. And although Ahab knew all of these things, he still had to make a choice. But he chose to go his own way. He made bad choices. But he also had some help. And who was right there to help Ahab make poor choices? 1 Kings 21, 25 tells us, No one else concerning Ahab so completely sold himself to what was evil in the Lord's sight, as Ahab did under the influence of his wife Jezebel. We're not going to hold a marriage conference session this morning. (laughs) But without a doubt, Ahab would have heard also the stories of Solomon. He would have known of his great wisdom and might and strength and what the nation would have looked like under the rule of Solomon. But he would have also known that Solomon had problems when he married foreign wives. And yet Ahab did not learn. He still chose to marry Jezebel. And Jezebel is not a favored character in Scripture. How many Jewish families, when they have girls, say, oh, she's so cute, let's name her Jezebel. (laughs) Never happens. Have you ever met a Jezebel? Have you ever met someone named Jezebel? (laughs) It's just not there. Because of the incredible story that we find in Scripture about her evilness and wickedness. Now, Jezebel is a foreigner from Sidon, and her father is Eth Baal, Eth Baal. So it's likely that her father was not just a ruler, but he could have been a priest of the foreign god Baal. This would make sense because Jezebel was passionate about serving this particular deity. And without doubt, it had an influence on her actions and the actions of Ahab as she killed God's prophets, set up her own prophets of Baal, and even killed a godly man by the name of Naboth to give his land to Ahab. What kind of king would Ahab have been? We'll never know. So what is something simple we can learn today from these seven chapters, from Ahab's story? And this is what we can learn. Simply, what we partner with in life 
is extremely important. What we partner with in life is extremely important. And for those of you that have to fill in the blanks, you guys can go ahead and move into the activities I'm gonna talk to everyone else here. But feel free to listen if you want. I was in grade seven, year seven, and I had a friend named Brian. And me and Brian were pretty good kids, all in all. Very respectful, well-behaved, maybe a little bit of trouble here and there. But one day, Paul showed up on the scene, the new kid at school, and he was not an apostle. <laughs> well, he, he was like an apostle of mischief, probably. Well, what started to happen is Brian started to hang out with Paul. And because Brian was hanging out with Paul, I was also hanging out with Paul. And guess what happened to my attitude and actions? They started to decline gradually. And they declined so far that I got in trouble at school, and the end result was one of these. <laughs> Paddling, old school. Guess what happened to my relationship with Paul after that? It ceased to exist. And isn't it funny, that's how it works, that it seems that the, the one who is on the wrong path always seems to influence the one who is trying to do what's good. But there was that partnership, that relationship, and this story is just about a few boys in grade school getting into a little bit of mischief, but the principle still applies. Think of romantic relationships as you get older. How many times have we seen someone who is maybe passionate about the faith get involved romantically with someone who is not? And how often does that scenario play out? What influence is the dominant influence in that partnership when it comes to romantic relationships? How many young people have replaced their love for Christ with their love for another individual and they have walked or departed from all things that are godly? Partnerships are important. What about business partnerships? That's another partnership that is extremely important. I remember as a kid, my father took a job. It was the highest paying salary he had ever had. And it didn't take long before he started to see some unethical practices within that business. And he was in a dilemma. Here I am as a Christian. I know the longer that I hang out, there will be an expectation that I will participate in some of these unethical behaviors. It is a conflict with my faith. And so he left the highest paying job he possibly could have ever had because he knew that that partnership was not a good partnership. Partnerships are important. And these are pretty straightforward when we talk about hanging out with the wrong people, investing in a romantic relationship where there are differing beliefs regarding a biblical worldview. It's noticeable when we talk about unethical behavior in business, but what about the other areas that aren't as clear? What other partnerships do we have in life that may not be as visible and perhaps we're not even aware of? Do we have a partnership with pride? Maybe you have excelled in a certain area and now because of your success, maybe you think a little bit too highly of yourself. Maybe you're one of those people who's pull up the bootstraps, let's get it done, I get things done, and all of a sudden you become this self-sustaining force where you are the one that sustains all aspects of your life. And pride has slowly crept in to your heart. What about when those trusted voices in your life try to tap you on the shoulder to inform you that 
hey, maybe there's some blind spots here and I love you and I, and I want to show you these things and yet you just shrug them off because you're unteachable. Why? Who can teach me? Partnership with pride. And some of you are saying, no, I'm the humblest person on the earth. No one does humility better than me. Go ahead, tap that person on the shoulder right now. Because that partnership with pride means that we get into a place where we're unteachable. And then what happens when God wants to teach us things? That's an issue. Because God will teach us in humility. As we come before him lowly, with open hearts, God, will you instruct me? And it's very hard to receive instruction from human, from human relationships and also our relationship with God if we have a partnership with pride. What about a partnership with fear? The news cycles in our day and age are absolutely insane. And if we sit and look at the news cycle from news cycle to news cycle and begin to observe all the things that are going on within the world, has it caused us to be fearful in our hearts? I'm not saying turn a blind eye and be ignorant to what's happening in the world. That's the last thing that I'm saying. But how often can we get entrapped looking and listening to all the many voices and the fear is overwhelming in our heart? Maybe you're at a crossroads right now, maybe even moving into 2023 where some big decisions have to be made. Some career moves, different job, a different school. Maybe you're having to select what type of vocation you're going to enter into and to study at university. Maybe you're transitioning grade schools and you're going to all these different places and you're feeling the weight and you're feeling a little bit unsettled. And you've partnered with fear. There's a lot riding on the decisions that you make and you feel that you are about to collapse because the weight and the burden that you share and that you feel and that you experience is that in this moment where you partner with fear that God has said, will you trust me? Will you trust me? Will you let go of the fear and trust me? Are we in a partnership with busyness? Every moment has to be filled because somehow my busyness and what I achieve is connected with who I am. I got to be busy. I got to be working. I got to be doing something. I got to be moving because who I am is wrapped up and sustained in the activities that I perform. So I stay busy. Or maybe there are some other things that we're in partnership with that it helps us to partner with activities so that we can just be busy because as long as we're busy, we don't have to slow down and think about anything. We don't have to think about how we're partnered with pain and despair and loss. We partner with busyness because as parents, we look at our lives growing up and we go, I want more for my kids. And so we're busy making their lives busy because we're wanting to pour out all the things that we never had in our life. I know that's a temptation for me as well. So are we in partnership with busyness? These are the partnerships that we may not be able to think about so often because they're not as visible and noticeable, but indeed they are present. Partnerships are important. 1 Corinthians 1, 8 and 9, the Apostle Paul is writing to the church in Corinth and he says, God will keep you strong to the end so that you will be free from all blame on the day when Lord Jesus Christ returns. God will do this for he is faithful to do what he says and he has invited you into partnership with his son, Jesus Christ our Lord, partnership with his son. 
Now, partnership with Christ is an exhaustive subject, and I know that we are right in the middle of the summer short series. So I won't be exhaustive this morning, but I will say this. The God who is good, loving, righteous, kind has invited you into partnership with his beloved son. And think about that for a moment. Partnership with Christ. It saves us. It delivers us. It gives us life. True life. It brings us into God's family. It destroys the yoke of bondage and sin. And it gives us considerable joy. The partnership with Christ is the basis from which we are to live. It is the basis of my strength, provision, identity, and that partnership, Jesus Christ. He is the object of my worship. Danny, would you just come forward and get ready as we move into a time of prayer here? You see, and as my partnership with Christ strengthens through spending time with him, through sitting before him, calling out to him in prayer, reading his word, discovering him more and more, that partnership grows and all the other partnerships that are not good for me begin to fade away. Sometimes I wonder if we sit and think about all the things that we're partnered with that are not of God. Doesn't mean that they're evil, just means that they're not of him. What if instead of just trying to break all of those partnerships, what if we focused on the partnership that God has given to us in his grace? The partnership with Jesus Christ. And what if we devoted all of our energy, all of our time, and all of our resource into that precious partnership? What would that do to the other partnerships that we have in our life? As fear tries to creep in, would we be so enamored with Christ that his love would break that fear in our life? As love casts out fear. I encourage you, make it your aim to develop this partnership, this eternal partnership, and allow it to grow and flourish. What I want to do this morning as we wrap up, I just want to take maybe three or four minutes. I've asked the guys just to come up, give me some musical accompaniment. And this is what I want to do. You know, we talked about the partnerships that are very visible and seen, but what about those that are not as visible? And so what I wanted to do, just to take a moment this morning, if you would just sit there and you kind of get into a, a space of prayer. Often we don't leave time within the service to actually pray, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask that we would do that this morning. Just to yourself, can you sit there before God and say, God, can you show me my blind spots? Will you allow me to show, will you show me what I am in partnership with that is not of you? Is there fear? Is there lust? Is there pride? Is there ego? Is there despair? What is it within me that needs to be broken? And I'm just going to pray right now. God, would you begin to show your people that as we sit here in this moment? God, I pray that your people would trust you enough to call upon you and to sit and wait before you this very morning. And ask that through the power of your spirit, you begin to show them and to show me the partnerships that I have that are not of you. Holy Spirit, would you show us this morning, please? I pray that God would continue to bless you mightily. I pray that he would reveal his son to you more and more. I pray that your hearts would be filled with peace, power, comfort that comes from being in relationship with the living God. May the Lord bless you and may he keep you. 
May his face shine upon you and may he be gracious to you and give you peace. And may you come to know more and more the powerful partnership that exists, you, son and daughter, in partnership with the living God through his living son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen and amen. Thanks for checking out our sermons podcast today. For more information on Ottawa Baptist Church, please visit our website at www.ottawabaptist.com.